On this episode of the Maryland Baseball Network podcast, we take one last look back at the 2019 season, and we count down our top 10 moments from that season. Here we go. This is the Maryland Baseball Network podcast. Here's your host, Zach Solon. All right, everyone, welcome into episode 72 of the Maryland Baseball Network podcast. It is Tuesday, February 4th. We are now about 10 days away from first pitch of Terps Baseball in 2020. Thank you for joining us. I'm Zach Solon, and with me, as he will be all season, is Ben Curtis. Ben, how we doing? Doing great. Excited. Only a week and a half away from the season starting. Really getting down to it now. So we decided to use this podcast as one last look back at 2019 before we kind of put it in the rearview mirror for the time being. We mentioned our next podcast will be a full 2020 season preview, but with 10 days to go before the season, our MBN team tried to put together our top 10 moments from last season because you can't really fit a lot of plays in when it's such a long season. It runs from February to May. So many things happen. So we tried to pick out a couple of things that really stood out to us, and it was tough to pick a top 10, Ben, but I I think we really narrowed it down to some things that represented the Terps in 2019 as a whole. A really exciting season in 2019, going back to Omaha for the Big Ten tournament, winning a game there of course, but we did narrow it down to 10, and we'll take a look back at that now. So first, we're going to give you a full recap of the 2019 schedule and kind of how it went down, going uh, game by game, seeing how the Terps' record fell, seeing who stepped up at certain times and and really made a difference for the Terps in certain ways. So the Terps started off last season in South Carolina like they will this year, but this year they're playing three schools that they haven't played in a long time. In fact, Charleston Southern, who they're going to open up the season against, they've only played once ever, and that was all the way back in 2004. So they opened up the season last year in 2019 in Conway, South Carolina, tournament at Coastal Carolina. They lost the opening game of the season in 10 innings against Campbell before losing to Coastal Carolina. They got their first win of the season against VCU 5-3. to three. So they come into College Park at 1-2, and two, and they take on Maine. And against the Black Bears, really cold weather. We know how it could be at the Bob in mid-February. But the Terps swept that series. So you thought they were looking pretty good. A non-conference win that you really thought they had to rack up that sweep and, and give the home crowd something to cheer about. And they had a midweek game against VCU that they won before they took their first big road trip of the season down to Louisiana Lafayette to take on the Ragin' Cajuns. And they lost two two out of three in that series. They played their first doubleheader on the road that season well, on that Saturday. So they lost the first game of the doubleheader in 14 innings by a score of 4-3 to three, and then lost the second one 2-1. Two one. So two one-run games put the Terps at 6-4 and four going into March. And then... They won a midweek against Delaware. Then they went down to Stetson, and this is actually going to come up later. Down in Deland, Florida, against a good Stetson team, the Terps were able to steal two out of three behind really a time where Chris Aline was carrying the offense, which is something that was kind of unexpected at the beginning of the season. But when you have a leader like him, he's really going to step up. Then another midweek win against Delaware took the Terps into kind of a, a turning point in a negative sense for the 2019 season when they came back home on March 15th to start spring break taking on East Carolina. Obviously, East Carolina, a good team, an eventual super regional team. And the Pirates came into College Park and they swept the Terps. And we don't like to bring it up a lot, but Jake Kuchmaner on that Sunday making NCAA history, throwing a perfect game against Maryland in a 3-0 Pirates win. But the Terps bounced back after that. Spring break road trip, they went down to Elon, North Carolina, and they had two huge victories over the Phoenix down there before they were supposed to head out to Omaha for their first trip to TD Ameritrade Park of the season. But it got a little delayed because of the weather out there, so that series against Creighton was actually moved to College Park, 
And then after coming off the two wins against Elon and the sweep against East Carolina, you thought that the Terps wanted to come out and play hard. They kept it close in all three games against the Blue Jays, but Creighton did sweep Maryland. So that was non-conference play for the Terps. Pretty much all the non-conference weekend series uh, were done. Of course, a few midweeks later on against local teams would happen. But then Big Ten play was coming in. Coming into Big Ten play, Maryland sat at 12 and 11. So when you're floating around 500 Big Ten play, Ben, your chances to make the NCAA tournament are really not too good, especially when you're facing a conference like the Big Ten. Well, especially for Maryland coming into that 2019 season, knowing they had to play most of the Blue Buds in the Big Ten in terms of how the baseball powerhouses in the Big Ten are aligned. You have your opportunities really delineated. You know who you have to be, and you know you only have a couple of chances to really catch the eye of the NCAA committee when you go into Big Ten play. So then Big Ten play started. It was a Friday night in College Park on March 29th, and the Terps got a huge 2-0 shutout victory over the Indiana Hoosiers. Hunter Parsons just completely outpitching Paulie Milto, two of the best pitchers in the Big Ten. Of course, that game, I think, is going to come up a little later in our top ten of the season. But then Indiana bounced back that Saturday and Sunday and pretty much blew the Terps out of the water. Ben, I know that was one of your first games on NBN, and a 20-5 loss and then a 19-4 loss. Terps then went on a bit of a losing streak, dropped to 13-14 and 14 when they lost on the road to William & Mary, and then they had their first Big Ten road trip of the season, and it was huge for the Terps. A Friday night comeback against Illinois, followed by a Saturday loss in Game 1 of a doubleheader, and then in Game 2, a big 8-4 victory to get the win of the series over the Fighting Illini, who would be the eventual three-seed in the Big Ten tournament, and Ben, that put the Terps at 15-15 and 15 pretty much after the first week of April. And you're feeling pretty good having played two of the better teams in the Big Ten, having to go on the road in the Big Ten for the first time and coming away with that series win was absolutely huge. So then a uh, uh, midweek win at home against William & Mary. That was a crazy game. It's not in our top ten, so I want to mention it now. A 16-10 victory for the Terps, a really, really long midweek game. Justin Vogt had a monster grand slam in that one. You don't know what to expect when you go into a midweek, especially with two local opponents like the Terps and William & Mary, but 16-10, I'd call that game a slugfest. Then the next day they had another midweek against an eventual uh, NCAA tournament participant in West Virginia. Mountaineers beat the Terps. 8-1. to one. And then the Terps went on the road again for the second straight weekend. They headed out to Illinois to take on Northwestern. They played another doubleheader on Saturday, but again you saw the Terps getting a series win. And that was another team that was right in the mix as we headed down the home stretch of who was going to be in the top eight, who was going to make it to the Big Ten tournament, and coming away from Evanston with those two huge wins right on Lake Michigan. Absolutely massive. Once we look back on it, those were really the, the turning points of that season. Midweek game against JMU, a loss for the Terps, followed by another midweek loss against George Mason. Had them at 18 and 19 going into another weekend series, this time at the Bob against Ohio State. And this series was a doubleheader in a different way. They had two games on Saturday and then one on Easter Sunday. The first game against Ohio State, the Terps won 14 to 8. They had 20 hits. That was the most hits they'd had in a game since joining the Big Ten, but then they lost game two of that doubleheader, a heartbreaker in 11 innings, 10-9 to the Buckeyes, and then the Buckeyes took the series on Sunday, and Ben, that's kind of where you started to notice that the Terps at home during the season, they had been swept by East Carolina, swept by Creighton, lost two out of three to Indiana, and now losing two out of three to Ohio State. The Bob kind of gave the Terps some woes last year. Absolutely, and that Saturday game was the real demoralizing one. They were up 8-4 to four going into the top of the eighth inning. Ohio State puts up four in the eighth, they add one more in the ninth to send it to extras, and then the run in the top half of the 11th inning to push Ohio State over the edge in that one. And that was kind of when you knew that something wasn't quite right for Maryland at home. 
So the Terps struggling in Big Ten play got one more midweek win against VCU to take the season series over them. If you've been following along here, they played VCU three separate times, all in three separate months, one in February, one in March, and one in April. And then they took on Penn State on the road, and this was a big Big Ten series for them on the road again. They went 2-1 two, uh, two against Penn State, taking the series there, getting the win on Friday night, and then another doubleheader. Terps played so many doubleheaders last season. They took two games out of three there and then went on to win a midweek against Villanova. And then the Terps really had to do some damage against Michigan. We knew they were going to be a good team. They were the eventual NCAA runner-up, losing to Vanderbilt in the final game of the College World Series final. But Michigan comes into College Park, and their pitching staff, honestly, if you're looking at the Wolverines' stats and schedule, that's when they really started to shine was the series against Maryland. But the Terps getting swept by Michigan at the Bob really put their backs against the wall when they wanted to make the Big Ten tournament later on. It did, and as you mentioned, that was when Michigan's pitching really started to turn the corner. Jeff Criswell got a phenomenal start in that Sunday game, and the bullpen was absolutely fantastic for Michigan all season long. It was a big reason why they went as far as they did in the NCAA tournament, just the consistent pitching that they had all season long and knowing that they could rely on their bullpen. But the home woes continued for Maryland against the Wolverines. So then the Terps had a full week off, and then they went out to Minnesota, to take on the Golden Gophers. And out there, the Terps, you know, knew Minnesota was going to be a good team, but you thought, you know, the Terps have won almost every single Big Ten road series that they've been in this season. So is Minnesota, you know, going to give the Terps a chance here? And they didn't have to play a doubleheader. So Friday night, the Terps get a 7-3 to win. Hunter Parsons pitches brilliantly, and you think, the Terps might be able to put themselves in a real position to make the Big Ten tournament by the end of the weekend. But then they kind of fell apart, and on Saturday and Sunday, both some tough losses. Some early inning woes on the Saturday night game in Minneapolis saw a 9-3 loss. And then on Sunday, which was Mother's Day back in May, the Terps not able to get the win, falling 2-1. to one. one more midweek game, a win at James Madison, brought us into our final series of the season. And, Ben, we all know how crucial that was coming into it. Well, you knew that you needed at least two, most likely, if you were Maryland. There were a lot of different scenarios, a couple of different teams in the mix. Rutgers was in the mix. Northwestern was in the mix. Maryland was in the mix. Who was going to come away with that eighth seed? And you were looking, you were scoreboard watching, but you knew that you had, to, you had to take care of business at home. You had to take at least two of three, just something that we didn't see Maryland do a whole lot of over the course of the season at the Bob, as we already mentioned, but Maryland came up absolutely huge in that series. Absolutely. So it was a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series. The Big Ten likes to do that to end the season because it gives the teams an extra day to rest their pitchers and rest their players before the Big Ten tournament. So you come into that weekend, and Maryland pretty much had to win all three when it comes down to it to make the Big Ten tournament. They win Friday night, or Thursday night, excuse me, in, in what was perhaps game of the year. They're sailing high. John Murphy gets into a lot of trouble in the bottom of the ninth after an excellent outing, or top of the ninth, excuse me, after an excellent outing from Hunter Parsons, and then A.J. Lee, a walk-off home run in the bottom of the ninth inning to win it for the Terps. Then Friday night, the Terps come out firing. They win 8-4, eight, eight to four, and they came into their final game of the season on Saturday, needing a win or a Northwestern loss to get into the Big Ten tournament. But obviously, when I talked to Rob Vaughn before that game, he said he wanted the Terps to control their own destiny. He knew if they got the win, they were in, and that's exactly what happened. A 10-8 victory, clutch heroics from Chris Aline, who had been battling injuries all all year that Chris Aline play is not part of our top 10 plenty of other moments from this series are but that's something I want to mention he had a double down the line that scored the go-ahead runs in that game giving Maryland a 10-8 victory so then Maryland went into Omaha for the Big Ten tournament their first time there since 2017 Rob Vaughn's first appearance there as a head coach 
and they have their first game against the three-seed Illinois. Maryland was the six. Hunter Parsons again pitches out of his mind. It was his final outing of his career. Terps win 6-2 to two with John Murphy closing it out. And then the next day, the game started at night against Ohio State after a rain delay. Ohio State was the number seven seed and, of course, the eventual Big Ten tournament champion. But that game got suspended in about the seventh inning, and then the Terps had some runners on base but couldn't create any opportunities and dropped their first game of the Big Ten tournament 3-2. to two. So that game resumed on Friday morning, and that meant that Friday afternoon they were going to have to play Michigan in an elimination game. And although the Terps fought until the end, they lost 10-4, to four, ending their season in Omaha after going 29-29. and 29. And it was a disappointing end for Maryland, but they ran into two of the hottest teams at the time, and we talked about that in the opening podcast as well, Ohio State, who we knew was getting hot now in retrospect. We knew that was the start of a magical run for them to get all the way to the Big Ten tournament final and win it and go to the NCAA tournament. And then we know how good Michigan is now looking back on it, the, as you mentioned, the NCAA tournament runners-up. Absolutely. So that is how the 2019 season went in a full rundown for the Terps. Of course, all of our games are archived on Mixler, and you can catch all the game recaps on MarylandBaseballNetwork.com. Also be sure to follow along with our season countdown as we are now just about 10 days away from first pitch at Charleston Southern University down in South Carolina. So right now we're going to go through our top 10 moments from last season. And Ben, at number 10, it's something a little obscure, but I wanted to go to it because when I picked it out, it was something that kind of stood out to me as a turning point in the Terps season. And it goes back to that Indiana series to kick off Big Ten play. And the Terps were taking on Indiana. They had won the Friday night game 2-0. Hunter Parsons pitched really well. You know Indiana is one of the best teams in the Big Ten every year. But then they went into Saturday, and they ran into trouble. They lost 20-5 to in that game. But when you look at it, Josh McGuire, a guy who had been redshirting, a freshman who hadn't gotten any action the entire year, wasn't really sure what his position was on the team, got an opportunity to get in that bat in that game because Rob Vaughn wanted to exhaust his bench, give some guys a chance with the game pretty much out of his hands already. And Josh McGuire, in his first career at bat, after t pretty much missing half a season, hits a home run. Ben, you were there for it. It was a really special moment for the Terps. It was, and that was a very tough end to the series, the 20-5 to loss and the 19-4 to loss as well for Indiana. But the kind of the next man up mentality was part of what Maryland had to go through over the course of the season. Obviously, every single team is going to battle some injuries, and Maryland was no different. But being able to see McGuire, who'd gone through a lot of adversity over his initial time at the University of Maryland, to be able to step up and produce in a big way, kind of gave Maryland a bit of a push going forward and into that Illinois series eventually when Maryland, of course, took two out of three in a really big series. Yeah, so that Indiana series, really a turning point in the Terps season because you're riding high after the Friday night win, but then you're kind of brought back down to reality. But then you've got guys stepping up like Josh McGuire, who pretty much forced his way into the lineup after that for the rest of the season. He became the Terps' pretty much permanent designated hitter, had some huge moments for them, finished the season with three home runs, all pretty much in his first couple of games as a Terp. So when you look at the impact that McGuire was able to make just from an opportunity he was given because his team was struggling so bad in one game, it ended up being a blessing in disguise for the Terps. And that's why I think it was one of the more important moments of the season. So our number nine moment of the season actually comes from that same series against Indiana, but it's a little more positive. That Friday night win, I think it was one of Hunter Parsons' best starts, not only of the night, but of his career. Against Indiana that night, going up against Paulie Milto as the other starting pitcher, Hunter Parsons pitched eight innings, allowing two hits, no runs, three walks, and five strikeouts. Terps win 2-0. That's when you thought, 
if Hunter Parsons can carry this team, they can get their Friday night wins and, and have control of the series going into the rest of the weekend, and that's where we really saw it. I think that's when we really knew just how special Hunter Parsons was in a Maryland uniform. Just the numbers were staggering in that game. In eight innings, he only faced 29 batters. It's just five over the minimum. He really had it going on that game. But also what that did, and we talked about it again in the opening podcast, was that gives the bullpen such an opportunity in the Saturday and Sunday games when you have a guy like Hunter Parsons who can go eight innings. John Murphy came in, swept things up, made sure that Maryland was able to win that game 2 nothing. but that leaves the entire rest of the bullpen open for Saturday and Sunday, which were big games against an Indiana team that obviously, as we mentioned, got out of hand pretty quickly with. But that was a big start not only in that game but going forward in the rest of the season. Absolutely. And Ben, not to get too much into a 2020 preview here, but we mentioned that with Parsons graduating and then being drafted to the Mets, the Terps do not have that Friday night ace really solidified yet. Now, they very well could get it by the end of the season. But like we talked about on the last podcast last week, they do have a lot of guys who could go maybe some deep innings on Fridays and Saturdays to save your bullpen for the weekend. Yeah, it's a problem to have, but it's an exciting problem to have too, especially with the amount of freshmen that Maryland is bringing in, a really talented freshman. We talked about the recruiting class earlier, so it's wide open uh, for who can be that Friday night starter, and it's really just begging for somebody to step up and produce in a big way, and I think somebody's going to. So then our number eight moment of the season was the Friday night game on April 5th, in Urbana against Illinois. This was the weekend after the Indiana series we've been talking about. The Terps were down going into the top of the ninth inning against one of the better relief pitchers in the Big Ten, and they came back with some aggressive base running, winning 4-2. to two. To take you through that crazy top of the ninth inning, the Terps are down 2 to nothing. Taylor Wright has a sacrifice bunt to get an RBI. Caleb Walls hits into a fielder's choice. Then, on a crazy wild pitch and with aggressive base running, both Caleb Walls and Michael Panero are able to score. The Terps take a 4-2 lead, and they get the win against Illinois in a series that they eventually went on to win. And that was a huge series we've already talked about. And Hunter Parsons was very good in that game. He threw eight innings, but he did give up two runs, and that's why Maryland needed to come up with a comeback. But that's what we talked about earlier as well with McGuire was the feeling that this team never really down and out of it, able to step up in really big moments. And that was when the tide really started to turn, and Maryland ended up winning another game in that series, as we mentioned, picking up the series win over the Fighting Illini. So I mentioned in that number eight play of the year. It was a, some aggressive base running on that pass ball that was able to give the Terps the lead. One of the guys who scored one of the runs there for the Terps was Caleb Walls. And earlier this week, I had the chance to talk with Caleb and pick his brain a little bit, see if he really remembered that play and what was going through his mind. And in fact, he did. He was excited to talk about it. So here's what Caleb Walls had to say about that exciting play. So I was on second base. Um, you know, when I'm on base, I'm just thinking, how can I get to the next one? Um, it was late in the game. We knew runs were gonna be hard to come by. Saw so the ball go to the backstop. You know, I just ran hard around third, and I saw Coach Swope just waving me around, so I just kept steamrolling right through and ended up being th beating the throw to home. Caleb, always excited to talk to us. We'll definitely have him on the podcast again later this season. So now we'll go down to our number seven moment of the season. And, Ben, when I was picking this one out, I wanted to look at a time where the Terps really excelled in non-conference play. And when I think about it, it was the series down in DeLand, Florida, when they took on Stetson. Now, you're a Florida guy. You know the Hatters have had a very good program, making the NCAA tournament a couple times in previous years. And the Terps were able to win that series. We mentioned that's when Chris Aline was having a really hot streak, and he really shined in that series. He did, and Stetson the defending conference champions at the time. They were an NCAA a super regional defending team at the time, and it's a really well-respected program around the state, really aggressive, especially in South Florida, recruiting, getting guys to come up to DeLand 
and that was a huge win for Maryland. That was one of the real premier opponents on the out-of-conference schedule and going into the land in the winter, in the, in the early spring, I suppose, in March, and coming away with two wins down in Florida was huge. And that Stetson series was coming off of a series loss against the Raging Cajuns at Louisiana Lafayette. So the Terps definitely wanting to do some damage there. They had played Stetson in previous years back at the Bob, but getting the wins down there, that kind of improved their non-conference resume. We mentioned after that series, they were sitting at 9-5. and five, So you're not out of NCAA tournament contention yet. Now, of course, the Terps missed out on the NCAA tournament last year. But when you're looking at how your guys can perform, this is where you're looking to see who can excel against some of the nation's best pitchers. And that's what Chris Aline and the rest of the Terps did against Stetson. Absolutely, and when you're looking at your schedule, trying to figure out how you can get to the NCAA tournament, that's the kind of opponent that you really circle when you see it on the calendar. A huge opportunity to pick up wins against quality opponents is what you're looking for, and they were able to get it done against Stetson. Now, you're from Boca, Florida. How far is that from, from DeLand? That's a couple of hours. you got to take the, the drive up I-95. You can take the turnpike as well, I suppose, if you want to, but DeLand... Not too far away in all these programs, Stetson, UCF, USF, all being really aggressive, especially in South Florida. That's where all the talent is from my biased point of view. Now, I'm, I'm from New Jersey, so is, is the traffic to get between all those schools the kind of traffic that's like, well, you could make it there in half an hour or an hour, but it'll probably take you three or four? Uh, it'll take you three or four hours to get just about anywhere if you're trying to drive in that area of Florida. I don't think you could get there half an hour unless you're driving maybe the way you would. I would take closer <laughs> to three or four hours. But now it's a little bit north of Miami, uh, of Orlando, should I say, over towards the Space, Space Coast, Daytona Beach area. So that's that's a little bit removed from the, uh, the Miami Tri-County area. All right. So we'll be moving on here from our Florida traffic <laughs> report. And we go to our number six moment of the season, and this was an easy one to pick out for me, uh, Ben, and for, and for us. It was Maxwell Costas, and, and pretty much you could say his whole performance throughout the season, but I wanted to focus specifically on the Big Ten tournament. So TD Ameritrade Park in Omaha, it's the mecca of college baseball. We know that. It's, it's one of the brightest spotlights in college baseball, and Maxwell Costas, a freshman who had just been named Big Ten Freshman of the Year and named to the first team All-Big Ten in his first season at Maryland, had a home run in all three of the Big Ten tournament games he played in, and and that was just kind of a, a, a bow on the gift that was his season. I don't know exactly how to what that phrase is, but it was just icing on the cake. There it is. Icing on the cake of, of his spectacular season, able to shine under the brightest lights. It was. What an opportunity that the Big Ten provides to play the Big Ten tournament at TD Ameritrade Park before gets to the really big tournament that they play there, the College World Series, obviously. So getting that experience, as you mentioned, under the brightest of lights that college baseball has to offer, and for a freshman to come in and perform the way he did was incredibly encouraging. With 6 for 12 over the course of the Big Ten tournament, he was absolutely fantastic. So I had a chance to talk to Maxwell earlier this week as well about his feelings at the end of last season. His emotions were riding high. He actually will mention here that he was in a bit of a slump before he broke out in the Big Ten tournament. So he was glad to be able to get out of it on a big stage. And, you know, Maxwell always talking of always looking ahead to the future. So here's what Maxwell had to say about his big end of the season, which was in a, a historic year for him. You hit three home runs in each of the three Big Ten tournament games uh, last year. It was kind of an end to your season where you were named Big Ten first team, Big Ten freshman of the year. What did those home runs and, and really just the whole journey of your freshman year in general mean to you? I feel like I learned a lot my freshman year. Uh, before those three home runs, actually, I was um, I was in a really major slump. Like I can remember that, like the maybe the two, three weeks before though, that I felt like I couldn't hit a baseball to save my life. I think you know kind of like what that taught me is kind of like you know just stay stay the course 
because, you know, it, I would come out, you know, and practice and still get my work in. I would go talk to Swope, Vaughn, all of them stuff, and, you know, they were helping me, you know, keep my mind in a good, keep my mind in a good place, really, and, you know, they, they couldn't have come at a better time, if you ask me, in a tournament, and, um, you know, I thought it was just a really, like, you know, good way to, I guess, solidify, like, the end of my season, you know, getting all these awards and stuff, you know, to come and then come out and perform, perform on, you know, national TV. You know, my mom was was calling me after any games, like, I saw you on TV, Maxwell, all that stuff, right? It, it felt really good. So, yeah, like, I guess every, what, what that really taught me was really, like, you know, baseball is just a game of, like, you know, Sometimes you'll be in the down in the ditches, and then like it just takes a couple of swings, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden you'll be feeling brand new again. Maxwell always a fun guy to talk to. After we stopped recording the interview, he said, "Yeah, I, I really got a good piece of those ones too." He's always excited. He also said that he wasn't sure on that first one he hit in the game against Illinois if it was going out as to where just two batters after him, Justin Vogt came up and hit one pretty much dead left center field into the bleachers out there. So he said Justin had a bit of a stronger one there, but. Maxwell always happy to contribute to his team's success, and he'll look to do that again in 2020. So now we're down to our top five moments of the season. Uh, just to recap for you, number 10, we said, was Josh McGuire breaking onto the scene with a home run against Indiana. Number nine was Hunter Parsons' performance in the Friday night game against the Hoosiers. Number eight was the Terps' Friday night comeback against Illinois, being down 2-0 in the top of the ninth inning and coming away with a win. Number seven was their win against the Stetson series on a March weekend. And number six was Maxwell's home runs in the Big Ten tournament. So our number five moment of the year, we're going to go to what was hands down series of the year, the last series of the season at the Bob against Iowa. The Terps struggling at home all year, and Hunter Parsons on senior night uh, ha has has pretty much the outing of his career, going eight plus. Did allow nine hits, but three runs, two of those earned, two walks, four strikeouts, putting the Terps in a position to win. Yeah, I think gutsy is the best word to describe Hunter Parsons' performance in that one. He didn't have necessarily his very best stuff. He gave up the two earned runs, gave up nine hits as well. Not something you see Hunter do a whole lot. Only struck out four. He threw 127 pitches in that contest, but just absolutely fought as hard as he could to make sure that Maryland stayed in that game. Yeah, so when you think back to that night, it was a Thursday night against Iowa. It was the first game of the series, and you want your ace on the mound to give you control there. And Hunter Parsons, after the eighth inning, he got a huge strikeout. The whole crowd was on their feet, one of the loudest times I've ever heard the Bob all season. And he goes into the dugout. All his teammates are dapping him up. You think, wow, what a way to end your home career excellent he's approaching 120 pitches I think he was over it at that point he comes on out I was on the call for that game and I even said I said what a night for Hunter Parsons what a way to cap it off and then the Terps have the lead going into the top or going into the top of the ninth inning and there's Hunter Parsons coming back out he did only last one more batter when he hit him but it's going eight plus going over 120 pitches, going the distance for your team, leaving it all out there, that's exactly what Hunter Parsons did. I think that's part of the legacy of Hunter Parsons. Keep seeing it over and over again. He goes six innings, he goes seven innings, he goes eight innings. He really was that stalwart guy for Maryland, and to do it one more time on senior day was really fitting. So now we'll continue moving on. We'll come back to that Iowa series later. I think we all know what play we'll be looking at from there. But now for number four, our moment of the season. This is a play uh, that we picked out. It's something interesting. Uh, Justin Galanti had an excellent call on it, so we'll let you listen to it in just a moment. But Chris Aline in the series in the early part of the season against Louisiana Lafayette had an absolutely spectacular catch out in the outfield. This was during Aline's hot streak, so let's listen to how it went right now. First pitch. Fly ball out to center field. Aline going back into the right center gap. He's at the track, and Aline, did he make the catch? 
Did he make the catch? He did! Oh Unbelievable God. by Aline! A diving play oh into the God. fence in right center, and we are going to the 14th inning. I do not believe it. The entire Terps bench comes out of the dugout to congratulate a kid who had never played center field in his life before this season. Absolutely incredible, and we go to the 14th. So Chris Aline in one of the games against Louisiana Lafayette with an absolutely spectacular catch. I suggest you go online and look up exactly what it was. Obviously, we're a podcast and a radio station, so we can't visualize it for you. We could do our best. And Justin Galanti, who was, of course, one of the alumni of the Maryland Baseball Network family here, did an excellent job on the call there. That was Justin's final series of the season. And now he's also got a job with the Altoona Curve he'll have for the upcoming season. So uh, we're very happy for him and congratulations to Justin. And we know the Maryland baseball team was all uh, very happy that he was able to spend one last uh, weekend with them down in Louisiana. It was a series where the Terps uh, featured uh, a lot of Louisiana hospitality. They had to play a doubleheader, as we mentioned, on Saturday. In between games, they were given some great southern food, some southern cooking, and uh, just uh, a really friendly environment in college baseball, but Allen making making a rob in the outfield against the Raging Cajuns. And Louisiana, big baseball state, obviously LSU, one of the premier teams in college baseball. So good to go down to Louisiana, see what they have to offer. Ben, you're a southern guy, and, and I hate to keep uh, making that a topic of conversation here, but I'm curious, what's your favorite style of, of southern food or, or any food that you pick out when you're oh, down When south? you get down to South Florida, you're really more in New York than you are in the <laughs> south. You, you, you go north to go south in the state of Florida is the saying, but when you go down to Louisiana, you get some jambalaya, and you're all set. All right, so now we're down to our top three moments of the season, and, and this is where it gets a bit emotional, but it was, it was a time where the Terps really needed – something to pick them up. Now, Ben, on the last podcast, we talked about the 2019 team and how, regardless of how the season ended, finishing at 529 and 29, they got back to the Big Ten tournament and they pretty much had to fight the entire regular season to get there. They had their backs against the wall. And then you came to the final game of the season, facing elimination in the Big Ten tournament against Michigan. You're down going into the last inning and A.J. Lee, your captain, a senior who got you there pretty much with his walk-off against Iowa, comes up for what is pretty much everyone knows is going to be his last at bat in a Maryland uniform, four years of service as the Terps shortstop, and he gets up and cranks a home run into left field. Yeah, that was the best. Uh, as as simple as you can say it, that was the best. There were two outs in the bottom of the ninth inning, nobody on. You're down 10-3. to three. That's just about the ball game, really. You need something absolutely remarkable to happen. The way that the Michigan bullpen, as we already talked about, was pitching really wasn't all that likely to happen. But A.J. Lee steps up to the plate, knows it's his last at-bat, as you mentioned, and delivers a home run in a game he played really well, and he went four for five. He scored a couple of runs in that game, and just to cap it off like that was absolutely sensational. There is an excellent video on the Terps baseball Twitter of A.J. Lee coming back to the dugout after he hit that home run, and every single member of the Terps team and, and coaches and staff that was in that dugout lining up to shake his hand after that home run, as, as A.J. pretty much almost had tears running down his eyes. He knew his season was over, but but what a way to cap it off. He had an injury at the beginning of the year. He fought his way back up to the top of the lineup, was pretty much the Terps' best and most consistent hitter last year, and earned him a spot in the, in the MLB draft. He was drafted by the Astros in the later rounds, and I had the chance to talk to A.J. with what that home run meant to him being his last at bat as a Terp on, on one of the biggest stages, as we mentioned, and what it meant for all his teammates to be lining up to greet him afterwards. Yeah, that was kind of everything coming into fruition. Uh, four hard years of work, 
uh, with his great coaches and my great teammates. Uh, it was it was a very special moment. I'll never forget that. Uh, being mobbed by guys like Hunter Parsons and John Murphy, guys you've been with for four years and been through blood, sweat, and tears with them. Uh, it's it's something you're never going to forget. Um, it's definitely a special moment that I always cherish. AJ, just a fantastic guy to talk to. He's been visiting the current 2020 Terps, uh, uh, coming to some of their practices, had the chance to talk to him. That's where I met up with him. But everyone wearing their Maryland baseball shirts, AJ flexing the Houston Astros shirt uh, that he had on. AJ, a member of the Tri-City Valley Cats over the summer after leaving Maryland and uh, had a pretty good season for them. And uh, is looking forward to watching his minor league career. Uh, we are, and uh, looking forward to AJ's success. So now we come to our final two moments of the season, and and this is also in the Big Ten tournament. It was when the Terps were also the underdogs, so they got the number six seed, but the number six, seven, eight in that Big Ten tournament all flying pretty close together. The Terps pretty much getting the six because of the amount of wins they had over over the teams, the number seven seed, Ohio State, and the number eight seed, Iowa. So. They come in against number three, Illinois, in the first game of the Big Ten tournament. And, Ben, kind of recap that game and how it went down. Well, Maryland jumped out first. They got the one nothing lead, and then Illinois came right back in the fifth inning. It was all tied up, and that eighth inning was really where Maryland made their move. They scored four runs in that top half of the eighth inning. Maxwell Costas with a huge home run. Justin Vogt with a huge home run. Chris Aline as well added one in the ninth inning, and Illinois tacked on one to the bottom of the ninth as well. But a huge win for Maryland in that one. Hunter Parsons was very good. Either seven and a third innings, only one earned run on four hits, and then Mark DeLuya and John Murphy cleaned things up in the bullpen. The Terps, an absolutely huge win. It was their first win of the Big Ten tournament since 2017 against an opponent, Illinois, who they took two out of three on the road from earlier in the season. So you thought, man, this Illinois team is, is really good, and, and they're going to be throwing their best players out there. But can Hunter Parsons do it again? And that's exactly what he did, a spectacular line in that game. And Mark DeLuya also really good in that one. John Murphy coming in to get the win. And, and, and when the Terps, that's one of the games where you look at it and they were really most complete as a team. Taylor Wright with some excellent hitting and patience at the plate in that game. Maxwell Costas and Justin Vogt with huge homers. It was an early morning in Omaha. The Terps woke up before 6 o'clock. It was a 10 a.m. start Eastern time, 9 a.m. Central time, and the Terps were ready to go and they got the win. I think that a big reason why is that they held Illinois' big playmakers offensively, especially Kellen Sarver went 0 for 3, Michael Massey 2 for 4 with only one RBI, and he's been in a lot of All-American talks, especially this year now, 2 for 4 with one RBI, RBI, obviously a solid line, but nothing that's going to do a ton of damage. So I think Maryland's playmakers did what they had to do, Costas with the 2, Run homer, Justin Vogt added the homer, A.J. Lee went 2 for 4 as well, but Massey only going 2 for 4, and Kellen Sarver going 0 for 3 with a walk. It's a big reason why Maryland was able to pick up that victory. Now, Ben, we're talking on the Big Ten here, and last year Maryland went 12-12 and 12 in conference play. We mentioned that was good enough to get them the number 6 seed out of the 13 teams that compete in the Big Ten. So when you look at that 12-12 and 12 record, they did face teams like Indiana, who took two out of three against them, Illinois, who the Terps took two out of three from, and Michigan, who swept the Terps in the regular season. Now, when you look at those three teams, they were the number one, two, and three seeds in the Big Ten tournament last year. When you look at the Terps' schedule in 2020, none of those teams appear on there. Absolutely, and that creates a door that's wide open for Maryland, but also a lot more pressure as well because you know that these are games that you absolutely have to have against teams like Michigan State at home, teams like Rutgers on the road. Nebraska is going to be a very difficult test, but when you go in back to Iowa, when you host Penn State especially, I think those two home series at the Bob against Michigan State and against Penn State, not necessarily Big Ten 
baseball powerhouses, but considering the struggles that Maryland had, especially in conference play at home last season, those are going to be two absolutely massive series for Maryland. I absolutely agree with you. And, and of course, <laughs> I'm very excited for the 2020 season. The more you and I talk about it on this podcast, it really does get me excited. So the one thing that's going to get us all excited is our number one moment that we've chosen from 2019. And I think if you're listening and you're a Terps baseball fan, you already know what it is. But let's just listen to it together one more time. 1-0 pitch. High fly ball. Left field. Wailing back. Lee flips the bat. Walk it off, A.J. Lee. Two-run home run for the Terps senior leader, and Maryland wins it 8-6. to six. Holy cow. That ball has gone off the bat. Outfielders didn't move. Lee barely moved out of the box. And Maryland with the walk-off win, 8-6. to six. A.J. Lee's had plenty of big moments in his career, but in the final series of his senior season at the Bob. He makes the biggest swing of his Maryland career. A no doubter to left field. The left fielder Whalen just turned around and watched it sail. Terps eight, Hawkeyes six. As you heard right there, it was the Thursday night game, first game of the series against Iowa. A.J. Lee with a walk-off home run. It was the only Terps walk-off of the season coming from their senior leader, their captain, and an all-around great guy. Absolutely. I was actually in the stands for that game, just witnessing it as a fan. And that was as loud as I had heard the Bob get in my entire season watching Maryland baseball, either in a press box or just sitting in the stands. There was a lot of adrenaline among the crowd. They all really knew what that game meant in terms of the Big Ten tournament implications, what Maryland needed to do coming off of that four run top of the ninth inning from Iowa. There was a lot of question marks. Is Maryland going to hold on to this one? Is Iowa going to come all the way back? It was the Hawkeyes with all the momentum until A.J. Lee stepped up to the plate. Yeah, and when I was talking to Connor Newcomb after the game about that walk-off and what it meant, the Terps knew coming into that series that they pretty much had to win all three if they wanted to get into the Big Ten tournament. And believe me, everyone on that team, that's, that was their main goal, was getting back into any form of postseason play that they could. And A.J. Lee was going to carry him to get there. We mentioned already Hunter Parsons, his spectacular outing that night. John Murphy, who was really, really good last season, running into some trouble that day. But the Terps having his back, A.J. Lee, uh, well, you know what? Let's just let AJ tell you what was going through his mind in that moment and how he was able to support his teammates and give them a win. Yeah, uh, I mean, it was a pretty special moment. Um, just trying to get our team into the postseason uh, and just leaving everything we had on the field. Uh, it was a great team win. I mean, I still remember it like it was yesterday. I'm um, just getting mobbed by everybody. It was an incredible feeling uh, just to allow our team to keep playing and, and keep that special group alive. So there you have it, A.J. Lee willing to speak with us one more time on his spectacular walk-off, which was without a doubt the Terps' moment of the year. I've watched it over and over so many times this offseason. When you talk about a highlight from 2019, you talk about the number one moment, Ben. That's got to be it. Absolutely. It was a highlight not only, I think, of Maryland's season, but over the past couple of years, kind of the turning point, getting back into the Big Ten tournament after missing it in 2018 and kind of a springboard as well into 2020. So that is our top 10 moments of the 2019 season, kind of wrapping up the 2019 chat as we look ahead to 2020, where Ben and I are sure the Terps will create many of more uh, amazing moments. Ben, do you have any honorable mentions that you wanted to grab? I think that that Saturday win against Iowa is one that kind of got overlooked because of the huge win against 
Iowa on Thursday, then on Saturday, of course, that clinching win. But having to play them on Saturday, coming off of the high, excuse me, on Friday, it was the Thursday, Friday, Saturday series. So that middle game, I think, is one that kind of gets overlooked. Maryland coming out really strong with the two runs in the bottom of the first inning and three more in the third. That was a phenomenal start, I thought, from Zach Thompson. That was some of the best stuff he had all season, six and two-thirds innings, only two earned runs. So I think the momentum of the Thursday night game carrying into the Friday there was an opportunity for a bit of a letdown game for Maryland, but I thought it was really good coaching from Rob Vaughn and really good pitching as well from Zach Thompson, an underrated performance, I think, on that Friday, that middle game of the three-game set against Iowa. So that will do it for our top 10 of 2019 podcast. Please feel free to DM us on Twitter. Send us an email to MarylandBaseballNetwork at gmail.com. Let us know what your top 10 favorite moments were from last season and what you're looking forward to from the Terps in 2020. Ben, we're just 10 days away. So excited. Get, can't wait to get down uh, and listen to you in Charleston, South Carolina, and then when we get going at the Bob against Rhode Island. So the Terps will open their season on Valentine's Day, February 14th at 6 p.m., a Friday night game against Charleston Southern. They'll then continue on that weekend with games against Iona and the College of Charleston. Of course, as Ben said, you can hear all the games on Mixler.com backslash Maryland Baseball Network. That's right. It's the Maryland Baseball Network. So we thank you one more time for listening to this podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at MDBaseballNet, Maryland Baseball Network on Facebook, and of course, check out MarylandBaseballNetwork.com page. Lecky, our managing editor, and our whole writing staff doing an excellent job with our preseason countdown, providing new information about the 2020 Terps every single day. So this has been episode 72 of the Maryland Baseball Network podcast. For Ben Curtis, I'm Zach Solon. Thanks for listening.